Five sheets of high-powered blotter acid. A salt shaker half full of cocaine. A whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers. Also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, two dozen ammo. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. Welcome to Question Block. Drugs. Drugs edition. Uh, yeah. For those of you just checking out Question Block, this is a Secret Loss live podcast. So we record it live. No edits. It goes out on the internet. Sans edits. We don't have time. Uh, <laughs> so we, yeah, every week we talk about t- the history of a new topic. Yeah. Um, so we gather from a variety of sources, not just Wikipedia. We know. We, no, we, we actually books. know already. We, do we gather from our brain. First-person research. We do Real life second experiences. and first and third and fourth yeah. and fifth. We're person. talking to people who knew the people that heard about the people that did the thing. No Sotros. <laughs> yeah. Um, who are you? Like, yeah. just, like, for, for real, who are you? Uh, so I'm, I'm Alex, one of the founders of Secret Loft, also known as Dr. Wires. Uh, an electrical engineer and a bit of a chemist myself. <laughs> um, uh, shout out real quick. I am drinking as we record this podcast some homebrew beer, actually, made by our friend James, also known as DJ No Burden. Yeah. Uh, made a delicious stout in the spirit of, of home brewing and making your own mind altering chemicals. And I'm Aerialist. <laughs> uh, I get high on Ariel. Literally. Yeah. Um, I'm looking like a flower child right now. I've got, I've got fringe. I've got fringe. <laughs> and I am just feeling my fantasy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe what I'm wearing for well, the listeners. Don't worry. No, the, we'll take a photo for the cover of the podcast. So yeah. we'll see it. So we'll know what's up. I'm, I am walking down the <laughs> runway. I am... <laughs> I am living my life. Daisies. I am a queen. I am a queen. Yes, I am slaying this runway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're gonna talk about drugs. Yeah. So we'll get into it. Well, uh, we're gonna start with the early, like prehistory, and like kind of quickly bring it up to the present day with stopovers yeah. in more interesting territory. Well, I want to just do a time. Let's just like rattle off a timeline, and then we can like go back and go in depth on our on uh, okay. the most. The most uh, contentious. The most illest drugs. The most illest drugs. And then maybe we'll tell yeah. a couple of uh, funny funny drug stories okay. at the end. So so dating back to the Stone Age from like the, the ancient Stone the Age. Stone Age. That's definitely a movie. It's like an 80s movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dating back to the, the Paleolithic or Stone Age. Um, yeah, they found from like ancient settlements that they had medicinal herbs that they took. And shamans had, like, knowledge that they would pass around of what herbs and plants to take to eat. So humans have known that eating certain plants or smoking them will fuck you up since we were humans. Since before we even had fire. Like, you couldn't couldn't even smoke them. (laughs) Sure. All right. Um, So the first, like, 
The first drugs were, were herbs. That's this herbs. Is this. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've. I mean, many of them have that. always been herbs and seeds. Yeah. Um, but the first recorded, like, uh, actual medicinal drugs. With alcohol. Right? And drug would be any, like, really chemical or plant that you could take that has some sort of pharmacological Oh, we don't have effect. to get... They know. Okay. Come on. They know what a drug is. You should, they're on um, drugs right now, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So what my, my sources dated to about 4th millennium BC when they were building the pyramids. Yeah. Um, the Egyptians had have papyrus where they had books, basically, of, like, medicine recipe. <laughs> I thought you... They had scrolls. I thought you meant but, that papyrus was a drug. Yeah, no, they spoke, spoke of that papyrus. That'd be a cool name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, they uh, depicted in the Egyptian medical papyri is a whole genre of literature uh, depicted in two illustrations as well. Or sometimes they've actually found medicinal jars that actually like when they did like the the chemical mm -hmm. analysis, they find trace amounts of herbs left after 6,000 years. The original, these things were buried. The original double cup. Yeah. <laughs> was if you ever, like, forget where you put your weed stash or whatever, yeah, the Egyptians did that for 6,000 years. <laughs> the, they, would, they would put it with the, you know, to go They'd to the afterlife. The yeah, yeah, so you can get your, get your herb in the afterlife. They, yeah. <laughs> smoking, <laughs> smoking with that cat god. Yeah. So they, uh, oh, they had two drugs they know of that existed were called Soma and Heoma. What? Isn't that from that book? Right, yeah, Brave New World. Aldous Huxley, huge fan of uh, LSD, who we'll get to later. Uh, in also, Brave New World, they have a drug called Soma. Also a fan of the papyrus. <laughs> which was actually one of the first drugs in 4000 BC. But they couldn't find the recipe, so they don't know how they prepared it. Yeah. Uh, and then so from like these Egyptian medi medical papyri, they know that cannabis was discovered around 2700 BC. Um, that's what, Wait, I, that's what I have, I'm getting. You okay. got it early? Yeah, I actually have that the earliest mm. the earliest drug after herbs is uh ten thousand BC. Then then uh what they find would you get? Oh alcohol. Alcohol. Oh I yeah. think my list might have skipped alcohol. Yeah, don't use that list as Okay, stupid. take over. Go ahead. Okay. You can share it with me. I sharing is caring. Okay. Just like drugs, sharing is caring. Oh, your list has tea. Come yeah. on. That's well, not... don't read it. Don't <laughs> okay. read it. It's okay. It's from a book All called right. Drugs. The drug book. Okay. When you, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, it is called the drug. Well, book. no, tea yeah. is really important later when we get to talk about opium. Actually, it is it is an important thing. Okay. Um. So yeah, we have alcohol in ten thousand BC. Then we have ca uh, cannabis in three thousand BC. Um. And then we have opium, twenty five BC, twenty five. BC. Okay. Um, so then you got the Smith and Ebers papyri. No, we're not. We're skipping. We're not reading. Well, that's that was the first medical text. Yeah. That, this... 15, 1500 BC. This is actually important. It had over 700 different recipes for, for like drugs. I feel like papy papyri is like um, a, a strain of weed. I, I just, I want someone with a heavy Jamaican accent to say papyri. Everything's yeah. iry with the... Or it's a plural for papyrus. Or, <laughs> or papaya, I guess. I'm I'm 100% sober right now, by the way. Nice. I'm high on words. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait, so the... To be clear, though, the Egyptians, like, they're... They had really good pharmacology. Papyri. Even in 1500 BC, 
they had like different preparations for if like they had out al- they used aloe for sunburns. Um, they had like they hadn't figured out aspirin yet. I don't think they had helmet. Well, opium. They were Egypt. using opium though. They were using opium. <laughs> Who needs um, aspirin? Who cares? Sco- scopolamine, also known as devil's breath, is good for like seasickness or stomach aches. It it well because you just yeah you just black out. <laughs> you not I don't think taking super high doses of it. I mean, not in the concentrated not, form. Yeah, that I don't. Uh, I uh, where is scopolamine? It's actually belladonna is good for stomach aches. Oh. And and it's actually still prescribed. Uh, when I was uh, when I was a little kid, my mom, um, I used I think I would get like anxiety. My mom was prescribed uh, belladonna, and she gave me one of the pills one time, and it like got rid of my stomach ache. There you go. Yeah. Um. So there also there's hemlock in three ninety nine. Shout out to Socrates. The Socrates taking one for the for the team. Um. So I think they they might have made you combine hemlock with opium when you had to commit suicide. That's if, what I was reading. If they were nice. If they, they were, were nice. cute. If they were feeling cute. Oh, yeah, because you would zonk out, I guess, before the hemlock. Yeah. Killed um, you in like a really uncomfortable way. Then there's nice. uh, there's coffee in eight, 800. Um, 800 AD or BC still? AD, the, AD. Oh, okay. I'm not going backwards in time. Don't worry. Um, who Who invented coffee? Well, we're going to go back and talk about the okay. intricacies of these. We're just we're just giving you a general can timeline, we, and then we we're going to go back. Can, can we take a little excursion? No, because we're going to get very sidetracked. Let's let's right. get all let's let's get get all the way through the timeline, Everybody's and then we'll go back. Everybody's probably high while they're listening to this. So, um, dun, dun, dun. so yeah, we have around the seventeen hundreds. We have like absinthe, a lot of. Um, Different vaccines come come out around then. Also, 1806 morphine. In 1819, they caffeine, which is like they discovered how to extract it. Um, it is really, it is interesting that over time, it's a completely like dynamic changing thing. What is a recreational drug or yes. like a heavily abused drug versus what is a like medicinally approved well, drug? Can I it's d- totally a social phenomenon. Can I just say, once they start to make drugs illegal, that's when they become addictive, interestingly, which we'll see with, again, with opium. Um, yes, we got we have different forms of opiates start to come out. So we have uh, 1832 is codeine. In 1839, medical marijuana or medical uses, which I think that was b- b- came out way before then because there's... There's lots of like records of, um, so in part this is this is because the 1700s is the birth of like organic chemistry, and yeah. so as we've talked about in other historical episodes, um, so that's really what drove being able to isolate these compounds and particularly they could synthesize uh, like very pure like you know molecules from other like precursors, yeah, and then make really serious uh, drugs. <laughs> so, it's- so serious. Um, and so that'll be the history of, as we'll find, a lot of the drugs that you know, the club drugs from the 19th or the 20th century, uh, were developed in labs by like Merck and other pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Oh, Pfizer, and Pfizer. We're looking at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in. That'd be funny if people were abusing the coronavirus vaccine. If they might, I mean, like, they, yo, I, you know, I know. Some I signed people. up under like three false names. I got. I, I, I got, actually I got four hits of that Pfizer. You know who you are. 
Okay. Okay. So we have an 18... Ooh, the 18, 1880s were like a good decade. There was cocaine in 1884, uh, 1897 mescaline, 1898 heroin, 1899 aspirin, <laughs> which is like a, you know, we have heroin and then aspirin's like, and there's me. <laughs> so, um, well, aspirin's an example, right, of them basically isolating the the important Willow compound bark. within willow bark. So we'll get to it later, but the whole insistence on organic or like folk remedies for stuff is like aspirin is just the part of willow bark that works. Well, also it's their sort of like flip side of that is people um, outlawing chemicals that occur naturally in plants. That's, you know, yeah. like you can totally grow. There's opium poppies if you... If you go um, a Park Avenue, there's opium poppies there right now, and you could take that and legit eat the nectar don't have, from don't it. Do you have to eat like hundreds of pounds of it or something to get the equivalent of a heroin like dose? Well, I mean, you get the <laughs> milk. You like milk them, the oh, pods, yeah, you have to... or you can make a tea. Oh, okay. And actually, like that's very dangerous because some, I guess, some of them are very potent and some aren't, and there's really no way of knowing oh, it's like shishito peppers you can also get dried opium pods at michael's <laughs> make a tea no way yeah i was just there today you know stocking so they're up. big in the trade yeah all right also uh, yeah uh i i came across uh there was tons of like trade mentioned in coinciding with drugs and i just kept thinking of like trade as in like dick and it just made me laugh because it's like okay. I listened to this one British guy say trade like 500 times while and doing then, my research. And then you listened to like a Drag Race podcast. And yeah. And they were like, I was getting trade and I was like, ooh. Okay. Um, 1909, you have Um, I'm just skimming through. Can we jump into some of these? There's too many. 1932, amphetamine. You have pages of drugs. Oh, yeah. It's so there's there's... Like, oh, right. LSD, 19... Uh, Let's just say everything else came after that. Everything yeah. else basically came about in the 1900s. Okay. So should we should we touch on alcohol really quick? Yeah. Okay. Sure. You want to talk about it? Because I, I hate it. <laughs> I yeah. don't well, you know, like, I've uh, been drunk in like 10 years. Alcohol so. is interesting because it's not a drug that was discovered in one place and passed around from different like societies or whatever. It's not regional. It's like dozens of different cultures independently figured out that if you let uh fruit like ferment <laughs> yeah if you let it if you let it rot if you let it ferment then like you get alcohol and it'll fuck you up when you eat it and then a bunch of them figured out that oh they didn't know what yeast was that yeast is like a tiny animal actually <gasps> by the way beer not vegan made from animals it's an animal product yeast is Ooh, a it's microscopic what animal yeah yeast is a microscopic animal kombucha is also not the vegans will tell you it's vegan, but they're lying. Um, but but uh, yeah, even in like ancient Mesopotamia, there were like recipes for how to make beer, how to like use certain yeast, and like once you've made your beer, if you save some of the yeast, you can start a new culture okay, that way. It's like let's sourdough. talk about um, just the like how bad how yeah. bad alcohol is. <laughs> well. <laughs> One thing to note is that alcohol is a thing that you can drink that actually is self-sanitizing, right? 
Could no one come on? No one wants to know. I don't. We didn't actually figure out if this is like. Uh, there's like an apocryphal, like unattributed, like source that says that like coffee and tea and beer were so popular in like the Middle Ages because the water was fucked up everywhere. And if you actually tried to drink like fresh water or water like in a city, you would get dysentery or whatever else. But the alcohol or boiled water that was in tea and coffee was sanitized, and so you could drink that safely. So they were like the much more popular way to like quench your thirst. But I don't know if I think people probably knew that. But maybe not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know. You they knew. They would have figured out they could just boil their water. The, but who knows? Is the deadliest drug. Oh my gosh, hey Matt, what's up? We're talking about drugs. Mm. Um, alcohol is the deadliest drug. Because mm. they, they did, I mean, the deadliest drug. Man is the most dangerous. The deadliest, animal. the most um, poisonous per like surface area is actually Botox. <laughs> um but most poisonous per surface per area. like potent the most potent drug like oh, the okay. one that could kill you with the least amount oh, yeah yeah but you're just saying in, in terms of societal harm damage to interpersonal relationships money um, that it's cost potential the, for abuse and addiction yeah. yeah money that it's cost like the the system to you know get people better from it we won't show the chart but there's a very on like every wikipedia article of like a drug they show this chart it's a little circle showing like maybe it was arrowhead i don't know where we we're reading this reference but uh yeah showing all the drugs and like lsd is like way down at the bottom and like yeah. psilocybin doesn't even make the list but like alcohol is like right i think alcohol is numbered it's number one it's number two I no think. it's number one <laughs> it's I literally heroin's up there. No, opioids her- are up there. Yeah, too. heroin is number no. two. Oh, okay, <laughs> alcohol numero uno. So there you go. But fascinating thing is that it does. It will occur naturally just in rotting fruit. Humans have been mastering how to produce it for millennia. For centuries. For centuries. And yeah. then the next drug. Oh. I think the next oldest drug. Can I say one other? Thing? Yeah. The of way course. we know that the Babylonians drank alcohol. Is because we right we found their tablets we found their post it notes and they 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 were they were in very bad handwriting. There's a there is a Babylonian tablet that was discovered and it's written as a hymn that you would sing like to one of their pantheistic gods, uh, prostitute gods. But it includes a beer recipe, like in the the hymn, and they're like they're not sure if this was somebody like. Either that beer making beer was a sacred thing that you would sing about because it's like giving thanks to the harvest god and stuff, or if this was somebody who's being a very clever way to like write down your recipe on one of the very rare stone tablets was by saying it was for religion. That's cool. Oh, but what if it is your religion? Man, can we, you do it then? Can you do it then. But what if you've got like a hat with the hot. with the dreads attached? The dreads attached. Shout out to Ali G. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the like next, the, it's like the Belgian monks who made the beer. The Trappist, the, the Trillis the Trappist trap. monk, the Trappist monk. Yeah. yeah cannabis you, is the next oldest drug about, that we care about. Tell us about cannabis. Cannabis can be tra- uh, traced back to Asia and India. I think India was what I read. And, um, it, it was described as a light giver and a liberator of sin. Can we do a question and answer? Sure. So did George Washington, right, all the stoners are like, George Washington grew hemp, dude. 
Oh yeah, but it was for uh, fabrics, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was That's like for it was. He was a hippie. He loved totes. <laughs> yeah, and He's making uh, tote bags. And yeah, he was with his own face on them, and then you know selling yeah. them on Etsy. That's why they put him on. That's why they put him on the dollar bill, and that's why the money is green. Yeah, he was making money out of hemp too. These are not true facts. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, what was the other I was going to ask? Oh, has anybody ever overdosed on marijuana? Yes, but no. But yes, but no. <laughs> Synthetic cannabinoids people have actually died on those recently and we and w- through synthetic drugs there's there's um there are pluses and minuses and one of the plus <laughs> you took your glasses off you're like what what's the plus of a the plus is that we find plus. out the extremes of of uh what's possible oh well, that's, I guess. that's you know fair enough sure. right so people people have died on synthetic cannabinoids but no one has actually died is that because they were like tainted because there's more of a chemical process to make them they're like let me in a lab or whatever right they're like no you just you just die like it's too strong oh okay you just fucking die but they're not like they're not tainted with like fentanyl no it's just like if you it's impossible to get that much out of a natural Natural occurring. Herb. Yeah, the herb from the earth from Mother Gaia. Okay. You can't die Actual from Actual cannabis buds from, like, lighting them on fire and inhaling them, you can't yeah. die. I mean, like, I guess you could from, like, smoke, you know, from, like, smoking. Yeah, I'm sure you it, probably die from the smoke. You get cancer, yeah. But, um, but I don't know about overdosing. Yeah. As Mike Denny says, you can't get, you can't get too, too high. high. You can just get so high. <laughs> You can get so high that you go into the subway and swipe your credit card instead of your Metro card, and you say, why doesn't this work? And then you say, why doesn't this work? So they've, right. <laughs> but now it does work. Now it does. They've been, uh, so mar- or cannabis has been around as a health, as a, for medical purposes and for spiritual purposes for a really long time, right around the prohibition People started using it more recreationally because they couldn't get alcohol as much. So it really caught on in the 20s. Yeah. Which is, you can think of all the jazz musicians. They were like... They were all smoking weed. Yeah. They were the original Rastafarians. But then after Prohibition ended... Actually, no, the Rastas were probably older. Alcohol became legal, but marijuana remained criminalized. Yes, which has racial connotations. (laughs) And then um, in the... Like the Reagan, you know, Nancy Reagan was like, she started calling it marijuana. Well, they started calling it marijuana because cannabis people had positive associations with. So they they were like, now it's marijuana and it's bad because um, marijuana sounds scary because okay. <laughs> that's got a J. It's got a silent J in it. <laughs> is that because cannabis is like the actual like Latin plant name, right? Cannabis sativa. Yeah. So where where did marijuana come from? Who's I just made it up. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it sounded spooky. It's true. They they're like we need it's it's like um you know you want to like criminalize jaywalking right? Was so, it like the Latin name for it or something? Because it's got a you know the J yeah. is like that. Huah. No, they just made it up. Okay. And I think they <laughs> wanted to sound a little bit um, Latin to like you know yeah some shade. to scare. So much of 
Yeah, the current like schedule of criminalized drugs is basically what the white middle class was scared about in the like late 60s. Yeah. Through 80s, I guess. Yeah. Well, what they were told to be scared about. Cause yeah. Don Don Draper was doing he was doing some weed, probably. True. He well he wasn't he's mad. <laughs> he should have he's a madman. He's not middle class. I mean he should have been doing some weed. He didn't live. And he wouldn't have been so mean. True. But he, yeah. Yeah, instead he drank constantly. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> should he would she should have like chilled out a little bit. Um oh we and we should talk about marijuana legalization, which Yeah. Or decriminalization, I suppose. In New York City it's now decriminalized. Yeah. After a long wait. Um, I don't know that we have much to add. You guys can just read the news if you're you listening to this podcast. You guys can just do and weed. You'll... You can just do weed. Yeah. Well, do you like weed? Me? Yeah. Personally? Yeah. Usually, no. Yeah, I don't like it. I think it's gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you don't like alcohol. You don't like weed. But... But I love everything else. Yeah, I personally don't like the, the kind of haziness and out of it that I get and the distractedness or whatever. I like stuff that... Yeah, has some euphoric component, which I don't get from marijuana. I just get sort of confused and, like, too introspective. Yeah. Marijuana, so I have, like, a weird brain, and I have weird brain syndrome, and Mm. marijuana makes me extremely hyper. And don't tell me it's a kind of strain, because I've tried a bunch of different kinds. (laughs) Marijuana is a really funny drug, and what... All the things that people who really love marijuana tell you about marijuana are is like really funny because they're always like the biggest advocates for it. Yeah, and I'm like, it really doesn't work. Like it, I swear. Be, and that's the thing, I end up annoying them the most because they're like, just try this. It will definitely chill you out. I get extremely hyper, and and kind of spiritual. So, I the last time that I smoked drug marijuana drugs. I be- wanted to waste str- a strain. The strain. Come the on, strain. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm purposely sounding like a nerd no, right now. People who people Wait. who want you to smoke marijuana are like people who love horror movies, and you're like, I don't. Can I? I just... don't really like horror movies. And they're like, no, you haven't seen this horror yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, like me, like what I do. I'm like, you have to watch the Nick, and you're like, no, no, the blood, and I'm like, this one's not that bloody, and then yeah. you're like, ah, but I became obsessed with wanting to face the sun when I awoke. So I was, like, tri- in this person's house, like, triangulating, like, the, the ratio of, like, the sun. And they were like, I really can't handle you. Like, I have to go to sleep. Yeah, because you're acting like the opposite of a high person. Yeah, and I was like, I freaking really, told... And they, they, they were, really like, chill. They were yeah. like, shocked. They were like, oh, this is supposed to be, like, the chillest of the strains ever. And I was just like, what, where, where's the sun going to hit me? And I fell asleep... Uh, they had a, a like a glass door, and I fell asleep with my forehead right against it. And I woke up, and the sun was awakening me. So I actually did figure it out. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you figured out what the east was. Yep. It was really. It was, it was. Well, they weren't being any help. They just went to sleep. So yeah, don't give me weed. It's not a good idea. It's a waste. It's a waste of your weed. I won't. I, I'll yeah. be annoying to you. It is like, there's very few other drugs because, yeah, when people are like, oh, I don't want to like do shrooms, like I'm not in the right headspace, I'll have a bad trip. People are like, oh, okay, no problem. That's because like, they, yeah. Or like, so many, or you're like, no, I don't do heroin, that's insane. And people are like, okay, yeah, no problem. But, well, yeah, no one's offering their. <laughs> the marijuana is, it's just one of those, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, 
everyone wants to share it, which I think is a nice thing about it, you know? Yeah. Everyone wants you. That's that's a, it's a very rare quality in a drug that you everyone people are like just do it. I was talking to my brother and I was like, I don't really like Ethiopian food. He's like, okay, oh. but what Ethiop what restaurant? I was like, I've been to like six different restaurants. I don't like injera bread. It's not for me. I thought I you like, were. I think you just haven't had good. You haven't had the right strain of Ethiopian food. I thought you were gonna say ether, <laughs> and I was like, Evans into well, ether. Now? Too, okay, okay, okay. Are poppers related to ether or no? They're amyl, amyl nitrates. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah, we will. Their version of an alkaloid, chemistry term here, a little sidebar chemistry. Alkaloid is any chemical with nitrogen in it. Whoa! This, so are we alkaloids? Yeah. <gasps> Do you want to really smoke me? <laughs> Kind of disappointingly broad, but that's alkaloids. Um, but that includes psilocybin, nicotine, caffeine. Anything. Uh, that's a lie. Pretty much everything. The earth. Yeah. The well, sun. Let's, let's move on to the next then. So we've... we've Should we... Because the opium's going to be a long one. Should we go down the opium silk road? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to do... I mean, the other stuff we're going to do deep dives on are opium, LSD, and uh, MDMA. Yeah, we'll touch on cocaine for y'all. And we'll touch on cocaine, but eh, yeah, you've seen Scarface. <laughs> and less than zero. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Tell us all so, about opium. Opium, opium's been around for centuries. For millennia. People have been doing opium for for centuries. It's very romantic. I feel like it's very romant. It's very romanticized because think about how many. Well, no, think about how many movies and different things are about heroin or opium. It's it's just like, like, you don't want to watch someone do uh, cocaine. It's just not, I mean, Scarface, yes, but it, like less than zero. It, you're just like, okay, well, whatever. You don't, I mean, there's a couple movies about crack. Uh-huh. More TV, like the Wire TV shows. But like, yeah, opium is a much more, I guess, like romanticized drug. And it. It wasn't really abused or the or thought of as an addictive substance for a very so many, long time. So many musicians and artists died from using it, is my guess. Yeah. Whereas, like, not is way less. So they wrote pretty things fa- about yeah, it. Yeah, famous <laughs> artists who died doing cocaine. <laughs> they were just writing really fast. <laughs> I guess so. The person who wrote the dictionary, they were on cocaine. But yeah, you're you know Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and such so it comes from the opium poppy um again all these the drugs they or originate in asia like turkey the middle east india greece greece has so many all, the drugs? all these all these they seem to tobacco's I mean, from america really yeah you you want to talk about trade that's why they like trade for me trade for me yeah we'll we'll talk about it's that a huge cash crop in uh, the south Oh yeah, true. Um, so the the opium you can get it out of the milk. You milk a poppy. Es- explain. <laughs> you said that milk. before. Explain. You, so if you cut milk. the poppy pod, oh, then it oozes. It oozes, it oozes the, okay. its milk. So it's like maple syrup, kind of. Yeah. It's not like. It's not like a. It's not like a, I. I have nipples. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 10 days after the poppy blooms, incisions are made into the capsule 
of the poppy, permitting a milky fluid to ooze out. The gummy mass is scraped off and pressed into cakes of raw opium. Okay. Um, yeah. And some of the morphine and codeine. Yeah, morphine, are both in there. codeine come come out of it. Heroin comes out of it. You can synthesize heroin from morphine. Exactly. So there's there's direct like opioids, and then there's synthetic, and then there's like totally synthetic crazy ones. So, um, the the, the Greeks have a, like five gods that are related to opium. So they they have a god of soma. They're Morpheus, the god of dreams. Um, up of uh, uh, Demeter, Demeter was she has wheat in one hand and an opium poppy in the other hand. Also, there um, who is it? Marcus Aurelius is probably one of the first recorded addicts of opium because his doctor Gaius. Mm-hmm. Gave it, so all the the emperors at this time, they were, I guess, like, the wealthy people, they were just given, like, a tincture. So maybe, you know, we have a, we have a friend who was telling us, uh, telling us about his tincture that he takes mm-hmm. in the morning with his espresso. Shout out, shout out to Ian. Um, and the ancients had these tinctures, too, and they were made by a trusted doctor or physician, normally. Yeah, you won't get poisoned. Right, and so uh, Gaius made, made Marcus Aurelius this tincture, and he 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 put some some poppy juice in there every now and then, and then he know, he was like, "Ooh, he is really mean when he doesn't have." That's funny because poppy juice is the name of like a Latino like Latin ex gay dance party. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, poppy juice. Well, maybe that's because because <laughs> Yeah, that's probably yeah. it. Right? Um. Mm-hmm. Oh, Conrad is giving us the technical That's your Latin, your Latin, Latin name. name. So, uh, yeah, Gaius was like Marcus Aurelius. He's kind of a dick when he doesn't have his. He just wrote that. He was yeah. Like, he I wonder was, why. Yeah, Weird. he was like, hmm. Was like, yeah, but that it, that really shows you that usually or usually like opium or or opiates are given to you by someone that you trust the first time that it's like a medicine and it has like a positive thing for you also alexander the great mm-hmm. who was injured so many times i didn't realize he had so many crazy injuries happen to him that should have killed him so they were they were giving him and he died at 32 but from like age 18 onwards he was at war and just yeah. getting like comical like the youtube uh you know video of like what are they called like like oops oopsie daisies videos you know fails fail fail videos like that was alexander the great like just like tomahawks split like cutting his skull so they were just giving him they were like just give give the man all sorts of go for it well because they that that was a cool thing for them they were like this is wild there's this plant that is super effective at treating pain Yes, and also this is kind of where I think this is where like the the forty virgins came from, for Islamic, because th- there was like an um, it was noted that uh, Marco Polo wrote that he there was like some is- Islamic like leader mm-hmm. that he would give um, he's like in Persia or something would give yeah. opium to his these young boys that were called has- hasashi hasashis, mm-hmm. which is where the word 
assassin comes from. Nice. So so he would give opium to these boys. To these child soldiers. Give them a ton of sluts. And then they would, you know, they'd come out of their stupor and they were like, how do I get go back there? And uh, the, the general was like, you kill everybody that I tell <laughs> you to. So, yeah, that's where that's the word assassin comes assassins. from. Nice. From opium, basically. Hushin because, uh, hush- oh, from hash. Yeah, a, a hash head. Oh. Yep. Yep. Wow. The more you. I learned know. so many things from this podcast. Ooh. I'm so glad I listened to it. Yeah. Um, and so, opium, it's like people are like, yeah, it probably is like a little addictive, but people would just die before it really got to be like an issue. Oh, yeah, because people were dying constantly of, like, yeah, this was pre-antibiotics. You would die of, like, any infection. If you had a toothache, it was fatal half the time. If you were a woman, you were going to die in childbirth. Yep. Um, Yeah, so they never got around to dying from overdoses, I guess. So then, then we have the opium, the opium wars. So this is, like, fast forward super long time to, like, Opium wars? (laughs) Possibly the coolest named wars? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So who were the the two sides in the Opium Wars? Britain and China. Okay. Who are the good guys? China. (laughs) Obviously. Britain. Shame. For shame. For shame. How dare you? Well, because, yeah, so everybody, I think a lot of people think of the Opium Wars if they haven't read about it like you have. They're like, oh, China must have been supplying the opium. Because the Chinese, I think, in a lot of American culture, associated with like opium dens, like in the Nick or whatever. Yes. But not fair. False characterization. Yes. Well, it was actually the the interesting thing is that later on, a lot of Chinese immigrants did they you know they formed opium dens. Yeah, they started in, their own opium. Yeah. Dens. Um, but the British got them. The hooked. British got them hooked because the British the trade. The trade imbalance was very um, tipped. It was very tipped. The trade imbalance, honey. Yes, trade, trade for me, trade for me, trade. It was very imbalanced um, because the Brits loved tea. (laughs) Spill the tea, honey. Okay, well, the British loved tea. They were they were insane for it, and they were actually devaluing their own silver because they didn't have the. They would bring, they were like, you want this, China? Like, you want, come on, do you want? And China was like, no, we already have that. We've had it for, like, a million years. So like, they would have get to pay the fuck out of here. Quadruple the amount of silver for given yeah. whatever. And they were just, um, can't, this Earl Grey shit, it's, like, To be fair, insane. not their silver. Probably bought, traded with, like, the Spanish and, like, stolen from the Incas. Yeah, but whatever. probably. It was silver. So, and the British East India Company was also, like, super in debt, too. Oh, let me point out to you, by the way, what did the American colonists do that they knew would piss the Brits off more than anything? Oh, they dumped their tea in the water. <laughs> they spilled the tea, oh, honey. They spilled the, tea. they spilled the fucking tea in, yeah. the, in, the Boston, in Boston. In Boston, of all places. You read about it, and you're like, I don't get it. That doesn't seem that bad. And yeah. They're like, they're like, do you understand how pissed the British were? Oh, God. They were like, they were like, oh, my God. Like, bye, Joe. I'm gonna fucking murder you. So, the uh, the British people they just kind of kept going. You know, they were like, "Hey, do you want?" Uh, and the China was like, "No." So the British people were like, "We need to do something." The Brits had nothing to offer. The production of silk, as we've talked about in the fashion episode, was a secret, like closely guarded in China yeah. as well. So nobody else knew how to even make it. But 
they, ironically, like they were loved it. They were trading on the Silk Road. <laughs> it's it's the softest fabric, you know. The silk, well, no, the but silk the Silk Road was like how how the silk left China. Yeah. Exactly, but, but China it was a heavily guarded state secret. Yeah, how to make silk. Yeah, out of worms, out of Shh, out of worms. Worm but uh, wait, why are we talking about silk? Because the British really wanted it. Oh yeah, they, and they were like Chinese. They wanted, they wanted the tea. Let's okay, just they the tea. focus. They on they drugs. were trying to find something to sell the Chinese. Yes, but they were like, we need to give them something. If we need to make them an offer that they can't refuse, Sweet. so they had this like really. But then the the Chinese like emperor, he was just like, no, dude, like, like he didn't even want like foreign people, and so he was like, no. So they had this really convoluted scheme, which involved pirates, and also they they um. They had like a colony. They had they had like colonized India. So they had Indian opium. And they had this They had imperialized parts of India. They had also taken they had like a fort in Macau as well. Which is like yeah. right off the coast. So they were they were getting they were getting opium from there, but they weren't just going and selling it. They were like having pirates kind of go in there and give samples to the Chinese they had and an then idea. They would like sell it for silver, and then they would yeah. use that silver to buy tea, and then they're street level like pushers, a, basically. Yeah. It was just like this really convoluted. So they, they were like kind of getting opium out there. So here's here's the thing: in um, China, then began to mix, or I guess when opium got mixed with tobacco and got smoked, that's when it starts becoming a social thing. Because nor before that, opium or or laudanum tinctures were just something you had in your medicine cabinet in mm-hmm. case in case uh, your wife was being was having PMS or like you know you were well, bleeding. Or like you break your arm or something. Yeah, you take some. Opium. Or you had uh, you you were like pooping too much. <laughs> you were, like take some opium, you know. So. Um, it, you, it's something that you would do in your own home, but when people started smoking it, that's when it became a social thing, and and that's when it started, people started to look down on it, and this was in Confucius. I mean, you've seen the hookah bars along St. Mark's. It really does. It yeah. It really gets popular very quickly. This was in Con- Confucius, um, con- like, the time of, like, Confucius and, like, who really loved rules and you know, work and family, honoring the family. And Confucius was in the early 80s. He wasn't, like, 1600s. Well, no, no, but, like, the, the theory of the um, the emperor at the time was, like, um, talking about, like, a lot about family and, like, that dynasty was, like, super into it. And so the, the son, they had all these, um, they had all these things that an opium user... They were basically like, you might be an opium user if you do this. And it was like, sons won't honor their family. They'll just spend their whole day in the opium den. So the emperor the emperor was like super pissed. He was like... Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. even to the extent that Confucius, Confucianism yeah. like, emphasizes personal responsibility and smoking opium makes you not very responsible. Sure. Or care, like, yeah. And so, so the emperor was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna ban this. Yeah. Also, you have one year to stop smoking opium, and if you don't, then we'll kill you." 
And so ten of banned opium, and the Brits were like, "No, my trade, <laughs> my trade, um, my teen, my trade." So the British actually went to war for the right to distribute heroin. Yeah, I mean, it's just great because you're like, oh, it's kind of like, it's just like the wire when they like you fight know, for their corner. The, op- like, the, um, spot to, like- the Chinese actually, uh, the first, the first opium war, like it didn't, it didn't go like super well because the, a, a whole bunch of opium had to be like dumped into kind of like the tea. It had to be dumped into the, uh. Into the ocean. Oh, because their ships got seized or whatever. Yeah, they just didn't. They didn't agree. Yeah, they didn't agree on. <laughs> they couldn't. Things, anyway, so. eventually the British did win the right to sell opium. Yeah. I guess by threatening, you just execute the like. Emperor. They had better weapons, unfortunately. So. Yeah, they had been, and and a lot of the Chinese soldiers were in opium <laughs> fights. Um. But and and then a lot of Chinese immigrants went over to London and and the Americas and they set up opium dens. But um, the, yeah, the you, irony of which they're like, we learned this from the British. Surely this is cool. And they're like, no. Yeah. So there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of famous authors and there's a the, what is it like the Confessions of an Opium Eater, which was apparently an ironic, Who you wrote? know. Who wrote that? Oh my gosh, it is. That do you want to look that up? That wasn't Alistair can Crowley. You, was no, it? no, 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 oh, okay. no. No. Can you look that it up was, real quick? Yeah, it was a famous British man of letters. Who wrote. Apparently, that was ironic because everyone saw it as like the um, um, the reefer madness of the time, but actually, he was like, yeah, there's opium dens everywhere. Um, so it was it was kind of just like. This it, he was just writing about his environment. It would be like writing about you know pigeons in <laughs> New York. Thomas De Quincey. Thomas De Quincey. He's probably the most. He wrote the most about opium, and he's very very poetic. Has a lot of really nice quotations where he's like, "Ecstasy could be purchased." Oh for no, a he was he was a uh, he was a laudanum addict. But yeah, it would be the equivalent of reefer madness or just like Bob Marley writing about smoking, you know, singing about smoking weed. And you're like, oh, this is a really cool guy who smokes weed. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, oh, this is a really like great writer who's writing about like being a laudanum addict. It seems fine. Yeah. All right. Yes, we'll hold up a little picture of him. Uh, I want Who everyone to see his, his cute little portrait on the Thomas De Quincey. Okay, so then, you so, know, it's still been around in the Americas forever, well, killing off our, our well, rock stars and artists. here's how we kind of, here's how we get there. So you can kind of see a trend, like, um, it's white people's fault. How so? Um, so we have, we have morphine, right? Morphine is invented in World War. You say 18, 1890s morphine, you said. was like Yes. Derived, yeah, from opium. Uh, 1806. Sorry about that. 1806 oh. by Alexander. Oh, hey, shout out Alexander Wood. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm it was. Responsibility for that. <laughs> it was for I guess world this uh the Civil War, right? Because a oh. lot of people were getting well, the amputations, their ship blown off and whatnot, and um, it was being a morph a morphine addict was seen as a 
like a consequence of the war, basically. Yeah, it was probably sort of a badge of honor, maybe. Yeah, and then Alexander Wood perfected the hypodermic syringe in 1853. So you could... Oh, it's too bad that came after the Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, Civil War 1865. So you had it. Good. You had injectable morphine then. Um, In time for the Civil War. So, you know... Yeah, it was called soldier's disease, the the, mor- the morphine addic- addictions that happened after mm. the war. And then a cup like a bunch of years later, heroin is synthesized as a non-addictive treatment for morphine addicts. Um, but yeah. like, that's so funny that post post Civil War morphine addiction was like a thing. Yeah. Right? Cuz like post-Vietnam War heroin addiction was a thing for veterans who, like, came back from Vietnam. Yeah. Um, Wow, history really does repeat itself. Well, and you'll see it repeats itself even more because all the the times that, like, a worse synthesized drug is created, it seems to be because the, the person is looking for something that's less addictive but faster administered. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, her, her, it was supposed to be a substitute for morphine. Heroin is a substitute for morphine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, wasn't heroin it? sales were impressive. And it was it was uh, synthesized by and the also, Bayer company. Right. Yeah, Bayer. Aspirin. Makers of aspirin. Yeah. But also wasn't, as we saw in the Nick, heroin was used as a... Treatment for cocaine. Treatment for cocaine addiction. Yes. Um, yes. I don't know why, like, what did they not have clinical, they were just, like, how did they... They didn't, they didn't have clinical studies. Oh, duh, that's That's exactly it. That's what it was. They didn't, so addiction wasn't seen as a mental uh, disease. Mm -hmm. It was seen as a physical one, but also, I'm like... Kind of a yeah. moral failing that, like, you shouldn't, you should be strong enough to not also, have this like, issue. Yeah, didn't they, te- weren't they like, okay, let's give it to this person and, you know and then see if no, we can take the, it away from them. As we talked about in the medicine episode, the modern regime of like clinical double blind studies or whatever is like really new. It's like, you know, developed in the past century. So they developed all these really addictive drugs long before they had like medical testing. Yeah. Um, so then we have And even now, even now that we have tests, right? Do we like the whole opioid epidemic? Well, not to not we're to gonna get into not that. to steal your thunder, but like a lot of those drugs were popularized and prescribed in the nineties and two thousands. Yes, and like they certainly knew better. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. They uh, did. They uh, did. There's been major the lawsuits pers- about the, um, it. The drug companies knew better, but yeah. the people who invented the drugs, yeah, who discovered them, they might not have known so because once you once you invent it once you synthesize it it's it's out there like the papyrus the papyrus i'm just saying the drug companies knew better and they they still popularized it and they had the wherewithal here's the the tricky thing that like a lot of like i said a lot of the the people that were searching they were like trying to search for sort of like faster acting less addictive drugs they would find these drugs but now the internet is out there so their their papers would get published on the internet and then these sort of like black market people would come out which is what happened with fentanyl basically um 
Oh, perhaps, but that's not what happened with like oxycodone and like Vicodin right. and like other prescription drugs exactly. that just, just got overprescribed throughout well, the yeah. 2000s. The inventor of those claimed that they were looking for something that was less addictive. I don't know what, how they could, people just stop making opioids, just stop. Don't make an it's, it doesn't go well. You haven't found one that's well, not addictive yet. Yeah. As with many, many intractable social problems we come across in this podcast, the uh, root cause is capitalism because drug companies are for profit and have to make money by giving drugs to people. So here's so they an, got overprescribed. And you're allowed yeah. to lobby doctors. The whole pharmaceutical industry We'll get up. into that in like one Let's moment. Let's stick with the heroin. Yeah. So heroin so, is actually used as a... I was listening to this this doctor talk about it, and he's like, yeah, in the, in the like, 70s, if a pregnant woman was, like, in a lot of pain, you'd give her heroin because it would cross the – it was it was faster acting, so it wouldn't, like, stay in her system as long as morphine, and um, it go it crosses, like, the, the blood-brain barrier, I guess, quicker. And so, it, yeah, it was like it, it, it was faster acting, but but not um, but like just wouldn't stay in there for as long. What about her kid then being addicted to opium? Or no, like heroin? in child, like yeah. while she was giving birth. Oh, OK, sure. Yeah. So because they, they don't want it like in her system. They were like, oh, yeah, like like the, the final push. I mean, because if you get an epidural, there's there's fentanyl in that, actually. Oh. Fun, fun, fun. Well, it's true. Now, now, because of the kind of fallout of the opioid epidemic, they were prescribed a lot less often. Yeah. They, I mean, they weren't prescribing too, heroin too, still you know. too often, but yeah. But, um, yeah, when, when were, oh yeah, so there's, there's codeine. Um, Do you think it says something about the larger human condition that far and away the most addictive drugs are those that are used for the really powerful, potent drugs for treatment of pain? Yeah, I mean, I th- uh, ooh, that's a, I wasn't ready for that question. <laughs> we'll ask her. I <laughs> when we take a guess. You know what? You know what? We'll I think the reason why art. So this is a question that we can relate it to, like why so many artists are a, a you know d- plagued with opioid addictions or death. Um, or yeah, or suicide <laughs> or depression. And I think that's because. Pretty things sometimes don't come from pretty places. So I think the beauty was there before, and I think they were, they maybe were overstimulated with like <clears throat> just beautiful and maybe tragic things, and they were doing, they were taking the opiate, the opioids to sort of tune some of that out. Because I know as an artist <laughs> mm. that sometimes I feel. I don't feel like the times when and the times when I've wanted to like do a lot of drugs hasn't been to um, it hasn't been to like drown things out. It's actually been because I was bored, and I think that's why I haven't gotten into like rolling really my, heavy. Rolling my eyes behind these sunglasses. Well, no, it's I think that that's that's why I haven't gotten into like heavy dark. You know, I haven't well, gotten into like trouble. I think. You gave a long answer that dodged the question. I was just okay. asking about the basic human condition. I don't have a good answer for this, but I think it is fascinating that the most addictive drugs, just psychologically, are the ones that happen to be super effective painkillers. Oh, okay. 
this is okay. It's part of the human physiology because pain is something that can bypass your uh, like permission system. Your it's a pain is like can be like a reflex if it's intense. Your cere- your cerebellum or whatever your higher brain functions or whatever it can go yeah. right to the id maybe. Yeah, because it's it's a primordial thing that like if you're in a ton of pain, it's it's very hard to tune out. So I think it's because of like where pain is in the brain and where the opioid where opioids affect the brain. I think that's why. Or your addiction centers or something. Yeah. Anyway, we won't go super deep into addiction, but fascinating um, psychological study. Anyway, I will talk about later, maybe. Maybe. Ad- addiction. I've, I've got like one fun fact anecdote Ooh. about addiction. Do you have more opioid stuff? Yeah. So just really quick, we have... Uh, yeah, in the 90s prescription drugs, they're getting like, this is how we got in the op- the, the epidemic that we're in, in mm. America, right? And Canada, Vancouver. We're looking at you. It's very bad there. <laughs> very bad fentanyl. Like, mm. very, very bad. Um, but it, to be fair, a lot of what happened is doctors over-prescribed that's these what prescription I'm about to talk opioids about. and then cut back. The yeah. FDA cracked down on it, on the, the like requirements to prescribe them. And, like, this was all just from, like, shitty kickbacks and how the pharmaceutical industry works. Uh, But then people were addicted. The FDA didn't actually deal with the fact that all of these, like, millions of people were now addicted to opioids. They just told their doctors they couldn't prescribe them anymore. Yeah, so then they were like, oh, these these people were like, well, I can get heroin on the street. So then they developed a heroin problem. And then um, heroin began to, you know... I guess fentanyl got onto the streets. So it was it was invented by this kind of oh my god, I totally forget his name. But this rogue this sort of rogue um chemist. Yeah. And he yeah, he was like a mad scientist. He was like a genius, all, you know. Yeah. Aren't they all rogue chemists? Well, he he, you know, had this paper on it and then someone on like the deep web they figured out how to synthesize it and then you can there's like a very long vice documentary and also many joe rogan podcasts that discuss this but basically uh fentanyl is just super deadly because um it's extremely potent and it's supposed to be it is used still in hospitals it's used in anesthesia it's used um and epidurals. So you told me a cool anecdote about the potency of yes. powderized fentanyl. You want to say that? No, you t- it's your anecdote. Okay. So it's so powerful that a police officer, if there if there's said to be a fentanyl overdose, the police or the hospital, whoever's on the scene, the responder, they have to wear like riot gear because of... Hazmat oh, suits. Or in like a mask because of... Chem- chemical warfare stuff. Yeah. They yeah. put on a gas mask. Because... A police officer died because he brushed up. A, he was raiding like a car that had a lot of fentanyl in the car, you know, drug dealer's car, and he he sort of brushed brushed some of it loose and and died of an overdose of it just from it like being in the air. He like if you drop a a baggie and it pops open and you inhale the dust from it, or it gets on your skin, die, or you because can... there was a trans, you know, it was invented or to be used with either transdermal patch or a lollipop, um, something that's... Oh, it's opioids for kids. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's something that's that's supposed to be 
uh, administered time release. So what people don't, I guess, realize about it is that it's not a very pleasant high. You need it like every 10 minutes, almost like the crack of heroin. Like um, if you take it all at once, I guess. Um, it's supposed to be sort of administered over time and it doesn't have the same euphoria. Okay. We yeah. Gotta, we got to wrap up the opioid portion. Okay. So let's give a, a, a now an ounce of prevention. Um, get Narcan. It's readily available. Yeah. You don't need a prescription to get it. Uh, if you go to clubs or parties where like people are per- perhaps using opioids, you should have Narcan. It's, also, it's a nose spray that can like completely reverse an overdose and save someone's life. Also, so. a lot of dr- other drugs are being mixed with fentanyl, so you can get a test kit for like under twenty dollars to, t- to test. Yeah, like cocaine in New York right now. Yeah, it's often laced with fentanyl. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, one of our, one of our Twitch commenters has said that they don't think that the fentanyl overdose happened from a cop brushing up against it. Urban legend spread by police. Yeah. Interesting. I saw it on Vice and I feel like they're anti- Oh, yikes. Well, (gasps) we can't cite Vice. We'll just, come on. I love Vice. Okay. Um. Compare sources. Well, maybe it's it's not that potent. Yeah. But, uh, point being- uh, you should get Narcan. Uh, a very funny uh, anecdote that I have from from my our friend uh, Joe Pyrak, who's an EMT, uh, volunteer EMT, like emergency worker, um, in like the Richmond, Virginia area, is that they some of the paramedics like because they wanted to know when they gave them when they issued them all Narcan like ten years ago or whatever, um, and they're like heroin overdose here's how you use it or any opioid overdose and then like and they read up on the pharmacology and it basically just immediately like kicks the whatever the op- the receptors are like in your brain that's that's hit by the like opioid molecules oh. the narcan kicks it off Thanks. um oh, just- and like well people will like immediately wake up but so the the emt workers tried the narcan on themselves because yeah. they wanted to know and they're like no side effects whatever so they did it and uh Joe described it as he was like, it makes you very cranky and almost super alert. Whatever it does to the receptors it binds to, where the normally the like uh, opioid like agonists they're called would be, um, it. Uh, he was like, I could. Almost, he was like, I could feel the hair growing on my arms, and it was aware of my heartbeat and like my breathing, like to a hypersensitive, super irritating level. Um, Ooh, it reminds me of those like cro- that reminds me of those like CrossFit commercials where they were like the sport they they would zoom in on like the sweat on someone's arm and you'd hear like a heartbeat and like heavy breathing and it'd be it's like a little gross. The sport of fitness. Imagine if that was your reality for about 15, 20 if minutes. CrossFit, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a CrossFit. How Narcan feels. So he said. Oh, quick shout out to Gaslamp01 yeah. on Twitch. Thank you. Yeah. We're doing our best. Thank you. So he. uh Oh, and then final thing, he said that there were there were a couple of hospitals the EMTs would drop patients off at. And, like, you'd routinely, this is, like, not Appalachia, but it's Richmond. Like, they, they came across a decent number of heroin overdoses. <laughs> Appalachia adjacent. Um, well, because opioid addiction is very bad there. But uh, Winter's bone. He is an EMT would pick up a decent number of, like, heroin overdoses in a given shift. But... The hospitals where the nurses or intake people at the hospital were real assholes to the EMTs for some reason. He said sometimes 
they would, like, if they had picked up an overdose and given them Narcan, they were coming around, they would hit them with an extra squirt of Narcan. Nice. Just to make them real pissy before, like, dumping them off at the emergency room. Oh, nice. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best medical care. I don't know. It's harmless. They're like, just to yeah. make sure. And so you're extra fucking, fucking irritable for the just nurses. Just to make sure. Um, so we going to talk about, you want to talk about acid? Yeah, let's talk about lysergic acid real quick. <laughs> you're such a nerd. <laughs> so we'll start off with the, the, everybody oh. knows popular reference, what? Wait, just real quick. The solution to this is decriminalize it because there are certain places that have decriminalized um, opioids. opioids and they actually have places where you can do that. Like you can, you know, go and, and shoot up and like, well, it's you a know. needle exchange program. But there's the, actually the, places like, that almost like, almost like methadone, like they like really support it and the, uh, the issues have like decreased a lot. So there. people are, it's a good idea, and I'm not going to totally discount it. A lot of the places that you're talking about are like Netherlands or Scandinavian countries. They also have democratic socialism. They also have democratic socialism, really good welfare state, and so like... And Swedish furniture and meatballs. So like you don't quite have the desperation and like level of, I don't even know, just just sadness, desperation that is like in large parts of the Rust Belt in the U.S. So Yeah. No, no, and like the whole racist criminal justice system, which loves to criminalize saying, stuff that people of color do. Saying, All right, whatever. You know, yeah. <laughs> just saying that's legalize a new it. name. Legalize it. Legalize which, it. Which they did. Um, okay. Man, they can't play that song. <laughs> <laughs> they legalized it. Heroin. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, LSD. LZ. So everybody knows their pop culture representations of like right how here. fucking cool. Bam. Yeah, sort of a sort of a hippie on acid. Peyote, peyote, um, LSD, and and how awesome hallucinations, hallucinogenics are. Really important thing that I, I really want to point out before we even like dig into it is there is a really common way to compare uh, the dangerousness or whatever of different drugs. That's so what we, we were just about, talking yeah. about opioids. So what you typically look at is the ratio of how much it takes to get you high. Versus how much it takes to kill you. Good level. Good gauge, right? That's your, like, zone of drug use that you can do. Um, if you're somewhere in that range, you'll get high. You won't die. If you go out of the range, Ooh, you'll die. Is if this... you're too low, you won't get high. So every, you know, drug user is looking for that sweet spot. So ideally you want a drug where that's a really big uh, and zone. And LSD. And lysergic acid more than any other chemical known to man that gives you a great trip is the one that does it. Heroin, the ratio is just five to one. The, the amount of heroin it takes to get high in your system or an opioid, uh, if you go five times over that, it is potentially fatal. So like you don't have a lot of margin for error. That's yet another reason fentanyl is so dangerous. Oh yeah, that's why Sid Vicious died from... If people are routinely doing fentanyl that's cut with something and they switch to a different dealer or their dealer gets a different shipment in or something and it's just a, like or if they, a few times more potent, it's deadly. Or if they were doing heroin and then they get fentanyl... Exactly. To do the yeah, same yeah, very yeah. hard to get like compare relative doses. Which I don't know how anyone would get pure heroin. There's like no, it doesn't. Much like the famous scene in Pulp Fiction where Uma Thurman thinks she's doing a line of cocaine and instead, instead snorts a line of heroin from Vincent Vega's jacket. 
and immediately overdoses. And then he has Mm -hmm. to drive into his drug dealer's living room uh, to give her uh, an epinephrine shot. Yeah. A syringe of, what is it? The, I think it's epinephrine. It's adrenaline. Or, or adrenaline, I think it's adrenaline, yeah. which is like. To get our heart going again. But uh, anyway, cool thing about acid is that range, right, for heroin that was five to one. And acid, it's like 10 million to one. Like, cool. So anyone ever died from acid? No. There are zero recorded instances in folklore or recorded medical literature of anyone overdosing from lysergic acid. And that includes, uh, like, there are eight different recorded cases of people who thought they were snorting cocaine and it was powdered lysergic acid. What? So they were doing, like, milligrams uh, of lysergic acid. Who and where and when and why? (laughs) So they did did have hyperthermia. They, They overheated... And I had heart palpitations, but they didn't die, um, which is so, yeah, pretty cool that you can do like a thousand times more of a given drug than you meant okay, to do. So let's talk about acid. And you live through it. But like. OK, so history real quick. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about. So, so we've said it's it's wild because it's a chemical that in minute quantities is super potent. Why is it so Talk potent? about the cool stuff. I mean, that's cool, but like. It's pretty cool. Everyone wants to know like the trippy stuff. The I, I got to get the, the name right because, uh, okay, so it is. Um, what about, where is so there's his name? There's this Albert, chemist. Albert Hoffman is his name. Remember that name. All right, Albert Hoffman working for Merck. Um, oh, no, working for Sandoz, now Novartis. Okay. It's another pharmaceutical company. Uh in 1938, he synthesized it from ergot, which we talked about. Ergot is a different drug, or has been used in making different drugs. A fungus that grows on ergot produces this chemical called lysergic acid. Mm-hmm. So this guy synthesized it in 1938. <clears throat> he was just looking for different pharmaceuticals that he could synthesize. He was looking for like a sweetener. Whatever I think it was, he was he looking like, for like a sweetener. This didn't work, so he set it aside. And then 1943, he was like, "Let me go check on that lysergic acid," and. He happened to like handle a little, a little bit of it and he absorb. Licked, he licked his hand. He was like, "Which?" No, no, not. So that that happened on April sixteenth. Oh. That he happened to like and like some of it like rubbed on his hand and and he like kind of felt it. And this was also at the time. So I went to grad school and worked with a bunch of organic chemists, and they were fucking crazy and stupid. Lots of them handling shit just with no gloves. Or God is a fungus. Yes, it is. Thank you, Comcast. Growing on wheat, not weed. Uh, How funny yeah, would that be? It's, it's a fungus that grows on weed. So, um, wheat. by the way, a lot of anti-cancer drugs grown from various funguses or extracted from various funguses. But uh, so, so he got some on his hand and like was like, oh, there's something to it. If you know any organic chemists, there actually is like potentially toxic Talk chemicals. The They'll waft it Talk to themselves acid. to smell it. Stay focused. So he, uh, that was April 16th. April 19th, he was like, all right, time for a controlled studies. So he ingested, I believe, 20 micrograms, minuscule amount of it, small enough that, like, on any other chemical, you wouldn't expect anything to that's happen. That's pretty big for a dose of... Oh, that's like a standard dose, actually. Really? Yeah, he gauged it about right. Um, really? I, I thought... Did... I think that's way Sorry, more Sorry, not milligrams, a... micrograms. 20... I believe he did 25 micrograms. It's the same. Whatever. He basically happened to, like, nail a dose just right. I think he did a right. lot more. Um... Oh, they say a small amount. Anyway, he uh, he basically like within an within like you know an hour he was like, oh god, I feel weird. Wait, that's like tomorrow. 
Tomorrow's bicycle day. Tomorrow's bicycle day. That's why we did this. We we also did because 420 is coming up. Yeah, it's great that the same week. So yeah. he, he asked his assistant to like help him get home. And he was in Basel, Switzerland. And so. Uh, yeah, Switzerland. Uh, as everyone does in Basel, he rode Switzerland. His bike. They rode their bike home. Yeah. And he, his condition <laughs> he rapidly went. deteriorated on the way home. And so by the time he like. And he, he wrote about, he wrote like some like detailed uh, journal entries afterwards that he thought his neighbor was a witch who was trying to kill him, uh, had sort of various paranoid delusions. He thought he was dying. So he got home. He did manage to finish the bike ride home. Uh, and then he lay down. He had his, lo- his family physician came to visit him and um. could detect no actual life-threatening issues other than super dilated pupils. Oh, he's looking like he's in love. Okay, so can I just say that that is, um, it's five to 10 times higher than normal dose. Thank you. Oh, wait, take it back. He did 250 micrograms, sorry. Which is, it, which is 0.25 milligrams, which is a very high dose. <laughs> Thank you. As someone who has- okay, sorry, uh, sorry, so it's 250 micrograms. Standard dose of acid is between 10 and 40 micrograms. You guys, I've actually are. measured out LSD on a gram scale before, okay? So that's how I know. That's how I know this. You did? I did, yeah. It's a lot of fucking LSD. It's micrograms. Well, um, on a, a gram scale is a scale that also can do micro and like milligrams. <laughs> like it's not a drug dealer's scale. I worked in a, an organic chemistry lab and we used, we had the little metal spatulas and we actually had a scale that but had did a you windshield. Have, did you so have that LSD the air though? Wouldn't blow away your stuff. Did you have LSD that you were helping your friend measure out? I had experimental chemicals, okay. No, but I, I, I remember like having to do this numerous, I remember having to did make you have a little pipette. The yeah, mi- of course. Micro pipette is like one of, a real fun little invention. Like I'm an amateur. Okay. Look at me. Do I look <laughs> like? <laughs> no. All right. Okay. So, um, so anyway, he uh, he wrote uh, once his uh, physician came and checked him out and was like, "You're not going to die. Your pupils are dilated, but like your heart's actually going normal. You seem fine." He relaxed and he then had like a really fucking great acid trip for the next several hours. And he wrote in his journal about like this kaleidoscopic colors in a dreamlike state. Um, and intense also, kaleidoscopic he was in play of colors. Which we, you know, it's just great. He probably went and looked at, you know, ate some chocolate. No, he didn't go outside. He laid on his couch. Played with uh, his army knife. Um, he, he's a good writer, this chemist. Kaleidoscopic fantastic images surged in on me, alternating, variegated, opening and then closing themselves in circles and spirals, exploding in colored fountains rearranging and hybridizing themselves in constant flux. So the the first LSD trip now known as Bicycle Day on uh, April, April 19th. Oh, 19th. So okay. he... The day before 420, what? Uh, yeah, so Hoffman was wowed. He was like a psychoactive drug of extraordinary potency, caused significant shifts of consciousness in incredibly low doses. He thought it would be a powerful psychiatric tool because of... It's intense and introspective nature. He couldn't imagine anyone using it recreationally. Yeah. And the, uh, the joke's on him because we only use it recreationally. The CIA and Army conducted experiments with more than 1,000 soldiers and civilians. You're too, actually jumping, you're jumping ahead a lot. Right. So he, he discovered in 43 MK Ultra and mind control. The CIA, because yes. they're fucking wrong about everything, thought that you could they use tried acid to for use mind control. They tried to use peyote first, and they were like, it's too. Um, 
like varies. Like we can't control anyone with this. Give, like sixty-year-old white men, like a multi-billion-dollar budget, they do the dumbest shit. Yeah, <laughs> like research. Um, yeah, sixty-year-old ex-military white dudes, uh, a bunch of money. This comes with dumb stuff. But uh, anyway, he he uh, started popularizing it, uh, and it was like people should take this. It really is like super effective. He thought it especially would be useful for psychiatrists and a bunch of psychiatrists mm-hmm. actually got into it. And throughout the fifties, you can go back and look at old issues. There's like an old issue of like time magazine with LSD on the cover and a very complimentary article because yeah. they were using it to treat alcoholics and to treat depression. And it had, I don't know if the studies are reliable because everybody was like very gung ho on using acid, but they claimed <sighs> It was more effective than any previous treatment for like alcoholism too. They claimed like a 50% uh, recovery rate for chronic alcoholics who hadn't been able to get out of like AA. And this also was like the case with MDMA as well. Like We'll get to that. MDMA was synthesized later. uh, Yeah, so what I'm just saying. But but, but so acetylcholine became very popular in the 50s. Like this is a post-war period. We believe chemistry can solve everything. Um, And then... uh, there kind of then were two schools, actually, of people who pushed it. So there were the psychiatrists who wanted to be taken more seriously. And Aldous Huxley, who we talked about, who wrote Brave New World, who was like a a British man of letters. Yeah. Um, was a huge fan, and he did it. Um, and he thought, too, that he believed it would revolutionize society. Um, and as did a lot of other people. But he believed that uh, he took it very seriously. Uh, his acid trips, um, although he would like do it with friends and family, but he felt that academics and other political figures should get into it and then slowly introduce it to the rest of society. And this really could bring about, keep in mind too, this is like the start of the Cold War era too. People are like very worried about the future of humanity and they're like, acid could really solve this. Yeah. Um, Do you like acid? Love it. Um, Second school of thought on promoting it. Tim, the famous Timothy Leary. You know, you know what sucks? Like what? the the one like Rolling Stone article about like Timothy Leary pretty much like I feel like it it like discredited. Well, yeah. Him. So, so it's Timothy like Leary, by him, the way, which sucks. He's not a rando dude. He's a, a Harvard psychology professor. So he's yeah. also like very educated guy. Um But unlike Aldous Huxley, who was very conservative uh, and thought that, like, the intelligentsia should use this drug and introduce it to the masses, Aldous Huxley was much more a man of the people and was like, this is the best. Everybody should be doing it immediately. And he took that mission personally and started just going around in a bus, giving people acid and promoting it. It was Tom Wolfe, the electric acid. Tom Wolfe wrote about... Timothy Leary got and the electric yeah. Kool-Aid acid test. Yeah. And I so I mixed them up. I mixed them up. I'm reached, sorry. reached its height with the hippies in San Francisco in the late 60s, uh, who Tom Wolfe did very effectively write about in sort of caricature, but he sort of took them seriously. Which um, is happening right now. <laughs> and there are lots of uh, studies going on too. So the electric Kool-Aid acid test talks about studies at Stanford of like the effects of acid on. on because people. he would just do, okay, there, he would just kind of like do it with his students sometimes, I think. Yeah, they were very much converted from doing acid to believing that this really was a revolutionary thing that would totally change hierarchies and society and capitalism in general. Yeah. And it maybe would if everybody did it. 
but uh, they didn't. Instead, the middle class kind of freaked out as it got more and more popular. Uh, and then in the late 60s, uh, they banned it. And then yeah. the, C- the CIA, after it was banned, the CIA, I believe. They, I guess they confiscated a bunch of it? Yeah, or they would make their own. It's not actually that Which hard to synthesize. Is, we talked about this last night. Is that I find it really comical, just the image of like confiscating a bunch of LSD because like any other drug, you know, you're like a bright like ten bricks of like hundreds of bricks of cocaine, and it's like oh, like so much volume. But if you if you confiscate like a hundred doses of LSD, you you just have like a bunch of little papers or like. Like, it, you're like, I have a Visine bottle. You're like, I've, I've broken up the LSD drug ring. Oh, that's it. Yeah, so it was banned in 66. And then the secret government research actually took place from the 50s through the 70s. Yeah. And it led to nothing, which is they did MK Ultra is the name of the program where they just tried to give people acid. To see if they could control their thoughts. Some in actual, like controlled studies and some just without people's knowledge they would slip them out. Well they there was a blind test. I mean, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And control group, the placebo. It's so annoying because if you've Yeah, it's like if you take LSD, you're like, well, no, how you could mind control someone from doing this. But like You definitely can't because like yeah, they were probably just like laughing at them because their face looked like pudding or something. Yeah, and, and it's such an, an introspective drug, too. The things you realize are very much internal to your own mental state. Everyone's evil. The government is watching you. That, this, this sound like cocaine thoughts. Um, <laughs> no, like, I mean, that's what the, the people the, in MK Ultra realize. Oh, maybe. But, uh, um, okay, let's talk about Molly. <laughs> Should we? Yeah, we'll do... Shall we? We'll do just a quick shout-out, by the way, to psilocybin. Which is like oh, yeah. L- LSD's oh, yeah, younger yeah. cousin. And, well, pe- uh, peyote, which is LSD's older, m- one of the first drugs ever. Well, they're more mature cousin. Both both not not nearly as potent. Their effects don't last as long. Uh, different kinds of trips. But also both hallucinogenics that will do very cool things t- to put you in touch with nature. With God. <laughs> or God. Yeah. Uh, and, and really, like, kind of let you do some self-therapy. Uh, well, yeah, I think a peyote is, uh, it's a, if I forget what the word is, but it gives you very specific, like, feelings of God, of, like, the presence of God, which vision. I think is so, there's, like, a name for it, and it's, like, godiness or something, and it makes you feel. The Holy Spirit? That. Um, and you can, you can actually grow, you can, it is not illegal to grow um, peyote cactus. You can totally grow it for aesthetic purposes. <laughs> What's illegal? Extracting the chemical? Your your intent, which is, like, so weird. Yeah. That's it. Ah, thank you, Gas Lampo 1. Entheogenic. Entheogenic. Yeah, used okay. for spiritual kind of, yeah, chemicals. Yeah, which I, I'm like, I love that. Because it, I mean, that, I it does, it, and also, like, I guess, like, DMT gives you a feeling that you're beautiful and that, you are always beautiful and you're part of like the unit. It's just like, it's the opposite feeling of like government and organization and fear. It's like the exact opposite of that. And it's like so nice. I don't know why anyone would want to take that away from someone. Oh, maybe because they don't want people to like think for themselves or like rebel, which 
Yeah, know, I don't know that it was, uh, to be fair, to the scared white middle class of the 60s through 70s or whatever, is that there was, there was a lot of upheaval and they were very scared of the hippies in general uh, and free love and like sort of the overthrow of capitalism and the aging of the, I don't know, it was really the boomers taking charge who then fucked up everything. I don't know why they forgot what they learned in the 60s. But anyway, uh, that's what was going on. And so there was it was much a backlash against the change in culture as it was against the specific drugs. Yeah. Um, and I think most people outlawing the various drugs that they were using that time. Uh, yeah. The drugs they were banning, people weren't doing. So they didn't know. Um, you playing with our... Playing with, with our... With our I'm, I'm making a good trip here in here. I'm like, okay. oh, let's get close. Um... Oh, I was going to say that, uh, real quick, uh, this is a really fascinating thing about the pharmacological effects. Shout out, oh. shout out One Snow Goose Hi. on our new nephew. Okay, yeah. We're, yeah. we're talking about talking drugs. About, you're talking about <laughs> drugs. They're probably going to be legal. LSD now legal in Oregon, by the way. Yes. Shout out Conrad. Shout out Conrad. You actually, yeah. You de- can or do de- as decriminalize in Oregon as well as they yeah we're leading everyone else on marijuana. How do you like catch someone on it? I mean, it's like so hard to ca- yeah. I think it's weird. As Ariel uh, keeps pointing out, it's really funny because since a potent dose of acid is like tens of micrograms, that's nothing, right? It's like a couple grains of sand basically like your that you catch somebody. Yeah, for. you could easily hide it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you just put a tap right. Yeah. Also, drug testing, fuck you. It's so dumb. It's so dumb because it's like places that are like testing um, that test you like for your job. I just was thinking about this the other day. Excuse me. For your job that drug tests you, right? Um, I don't have those kind of jobs. I think, or one's job. I mean, I don't either. Um, But I was just thinking about it jobs that drug test, they're basically saying, yeah, something that you do on your own time. Like, when you're not at work, like, they don't ask you, like, what, they don't test you for, like, STDs or, like, what kind of sexual part, you know, they're not allowed to, like, judge you on that. Why are they allowed to? They used to. I mean, they used to. Right. So just as ridiculous as that is, like, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's, Um, and they don't care that you drink. Like, no. when not at work, which is, as we've said, like, the most dangerous drug of them all. Okay, I don't want to get into this, but to explain real quick, what they're actually finding out when they, like, uh, uh, the drug test for, like, bus drivers and stuff is just fucking ridiculous. But Me a lot mate, of what they're doing, Dave. a lot of what they're doing for security clearances is they actually need to know if you are doing drugs, you could potentially be blackmailed to give away secret information. Oh, yeah, so right. So they actually That's ask you about other stuff, like if you've ever cheated on your wife. Or if you have debts, they look at your financial history. For security clearances, they mostly just want to. Well, I'm not talking about security clearances. I'm talking about like the late okay. the jobs that like yeah. working at Walmart. Because I myself did not get a security clearance back when I was 19 doing an internship for Naval Research Labs because I smoked marijuana. Oh, oh. So really, yeah. Okay. Well, aside. Um, That's one, funny. One quick thing before you move into Mali territory. Um, is that uh, a very neat thing about the hallucinogenics, the psilocybin and uh, lysergic acids, that they have restarted research on a lot of these finally in the last like five to 10 years uh, at various universities. So like Columbia is now uh, yeah. studying it again in controlled trials. Michael Pollan has a lot of really good books on this, mostly on 
um, mushrooms. Oh. Yeah. We, we have one of them. And there is a very good New Yorker article called The Trip Treatment. Um, and so one thing that it's, once again, as it started back in the, like, 50s, is that uh, psychiatrists are using it. And it, it still is very effective now at treating post-traumatic stress disorder. It actually can have almost the exact opposite effect, where you can have a, uh, not post-traumatic, but, like, post, like, euphoric uh, stress disorder, where they just... You can have such a great acid trip that it has long-lasting effects that are positive throughout the rest of your life that persist for years Yeah. Um, with, like, a guided acid trip. And a cool thing is they've done functional MRI scanning of people's brains, and this was, I thought, a very cool thing that I found, that, that they the, found the out. The pineal gland? They had all these theories about what would ha- like what was going on in your brain. Was your frontal cortex going nuts, like, while you were on acid? And that's why you saw visions and hallucinations and stuff. No. Uh, it just turns off parts of your brain. It actually turns off what they call the default mode network, which is a part of your brain that is good at ignoring stuff. So More like the default chode network. <laughs> <laughs> You said um, you told me to make fun of it. This is there's yeah. a an effect in another like psychological effect called the the cocktail party effect, which is why you and a cocktail party can focus on the person in front of you, even though there's tons of noise going on around you. I like large parties. They're so much more intimate than small parties. As Daisy says, um, Daisy, is that a Daisy? And it's because your your brain is great at ignoring unimportant stimuli, so that you can focus on like the lion coming to eat you for the evolutionary psychology. The Wolf of Wall uh, reasoning. Street. <laughs> um, but this turns it off, and that's why you suddenly see every blade of grass, and you're like, holy shit. So it's in your brain already. It was. You yeah. normally don't see or hear 90% colors. of the stuff going on because you you're just focusing on the important stuff. or taste sounds. <laughs> but they taste delicious, so and the they sound maybe beautiful. another thing. But uh, anyway, that is to say... It's really just your senses operating at full speed, and they completely overwhelm what your mind is actually capable of processing. So if you meditate, you can also reach acid. No, you can't. You have to. You have to take. <laughs> you have to take these special chemicals. Okay, so take take us home with a. Uh, oh yeah, I was just gonna say MDMA. MDMA. You know, I mean, we got it. We'll do a couple just quick. MDMA. Um, it was also synthesized for psych. psych- ecological re- reasons and to, to help people empathize better in therapy to, to help men cry. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, and uh, yeah, then it was the government was like, oh, this actually works and makes people feel nice. So they banned it. Basically the story of all the, we, that's why we can't have nice things. M- MDMA and also known Originally is ecstasy, the rave drug from the nineties. Well, that's, yeah, first, that's first isolated and synthesized in a laboratory. Yeah, um, in a commercial laboratory. But, MD, but MDMA uh, was yeah, it's pressed into ecstasy like pills, and now it's known as like Molly, which is supposed to be pure MDMA, but like, yeah, how well do you know your <laughs> chemist? But like, is it though? Yeah, and much easier to. Uh, to adulterate a, yeah. a little powder mixture than it is a pressed pill. So yes. stick with pressed it pills, is, kids. Or, I mean, yeah. Uh, I've, we, I've done, um, so I I did a I did a pressed pill one time that was ketamine. Mm. I've actually, fun fact, I've done ketamine 
four times. None of those times did I know that that is what I was doing. We do a little on ketamine too. So yeah. by the way, we did, we had a long debate actually while researching for this podcast about the addictiveness of MDMA because we know lots of And the of badness people, of it. And and also the health effects. The because health effects. I, because I used to do it all the time and I never got depressed. I never got those like Monday blue, blue Monday or whatever. Monday, yeah. I never got that because I didn't drink with it. I would just do it and I wouldn't like do a ton. I wouldn't do a large amount of it. I would just do it like every day. Sure, sure. But you, you also get hyper on marijuana. So who can really trust your, your but reactions? It, but I, things. so it did Adderall like. all calms you down. True. <laughs> true. Oh yeah. We'll talk about like prescription. Yeah. That. Uh, um. Oh, but but so it, but it did yeah, yeah. They, it did affect me in in the, the way that it's supposed to. Like it worked in the way that I they think get it's the reason. To. But we 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 dug into it and it. So Doctor Wires would always tell me that it was bad and it would destroy my like brain stem or whatever. Heavy usage will degrade your serotonin receptors. So he said that I was de- going to be depressed, but I'm not. It turns out, having dug deeper into the literature, the studies that showed like degraded serotonin receptors were done on extremely heavy uh, MDMA users. Also, none of so, these are like clinical. So they were probably no, they using were. those. Out- were. Those were, really? but they, they found people who self-reported using a ton of MDMA and then did various like chemical. No, but if they self-reported, the then they weren't given it. They weren't giving it to them. So that means they were probably doing like tons of other stuff with it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I think alcohol, I blame alcohol. Okay, so everyone that. believes there are both confounding factors to the studies, but I would mm-hmm. say even of the studies that they did, they picked out uh, people who, yeah, one of the, the, like one of the most influential cited studies for like how much it's bad for your brain, those people use seven times the average usage of Molly. Which so is, that was probably, it's not going to even feel good. It was probably like, yeah, every weekend, multiple times a weekend or whatever. So if you're an occasional, uh, club drug Molly user. Mollyist? Well, if you're a Mollyist, a this, molecule. A stat that I saw that I don't know how well it's based is that they were like under under 50 trips lifetime, uh, you're probably fine. Yeah. So, I don't know. Don't trips. don't get don't get so uh, don't get so tripped out. Because if you don't have really so good Molly, you don't want it. You're like, I feel great for the next couple of days and I like, I just feel like happier and calmer well, and Well, I've always yeah. had a blue Monday. So you're. That's because you drink with it. It's true. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> We're not on it. He's just on alcohol, on nothing. Mm. I'm on life. Mm. You're um, on Adderall right now. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yes, I am prescribed Adderall because I have ADHD and I did use cocaine a ton i was self-medicating with it a lot um and then i went i went to my psychiatrist who this was like over 10 years ago and i was like i want to get sober what's that dr john halstead yeah (laughs) well i was like i want to get sober and i was like i'm afraid if i i was like i can give everything else up but uh if i if i give up cocaine i my brain is not going to feel normal and they were like oh you have ADHD, you should be medicated for that. And yeah, you should be on cocaine for adults. But okay, I really don't, I appreciate the shade throwing because like, it's for me, it was a miracle drug. Like I've never had bad, like 
side effects from it. Um, it it's helped me function and it's helped me like use parts of my brain that I didn't, I was, I always had difficulty. I had difficulty reading. I had difficulty writing and thinking and prioritizing things. And I always thought I was just kind of messed up and now I don't have those problems. And so it does work for me. Um, other people abuse it. I don't abuse it. And it's, I'm like very grateful and I'm still in therapy and I don't, you know, I don't do anything other than the occasional like psychedelic thing trip every now and then. So that's my, and I really wish that like people would stop throwing shade on like people who do need, I wasn't throwing shade you know, on well, you said I'm on cocaine for adults and that's shade. You shouldn't throw shade on people who do it recreationally. On cocaine. Oh, well, right now, I feel like the quality of cocaine is, like, very bad. And I think um, I think that if you don't need cocaine to, like, function, oh, you shouldn't be you're very – one is oh. very annoying on it. And, yeah, just – I just – I hate when people waste my time. And I feel like when people talk to me on cocaine, I'm just, like – None of this matters. You're not going to do any of this, and you're being and you're yelling and like kind of spitting on me. Can I tell you me. a great joke from Alex? Alex Patak wrote this joke. Can I tell you a great joke? Okay. Yeah. So he's like, guys, like like the amount of drugs being flushed, either from like NYPD seizures or just people like using them, is out of control. They did a test of like the water quality in New York, and like th there's like a noticeable percentage of cocaine in the water. Can you imagine a river just with like a noticeable percentage of cocaine in it? Can you imagine all of those fish swimming in that river talking to each other about starting a restaurant? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And they always spit on you. It's always like they're talking and I'm just like, drink some water and like shut the fuck. Like, <laughs> it's just constant. It's so stupid too because it's not like. All right. <laughs> we don't. Okay, you're so fast. dumb. Oh my god! Watch less than zero. You're it's listening a, to the grievance podcast. Watch less than zero. <laughs> it is what she's so mad about. Less than zero is an awesome movie with Robert Downey Jr. Which do um, so we have any other drugs to cover? Um. Oh yeah, creative. No, I don't. Robert okay. Downey Jr. had his own romance with the law and drugs. Right. No, but less than zero star, kind of starlet. predicted his future, and it is nice. so funny to watch someone fake like, you know, uh, in with cocaine withdrawal. Which oh, there's crack too. Which, yeah, yikes. Which uh, there's theories that the government created crack. The CIA, sold, yeah, the CIA invented it and then sold it. Rick Ross, the original black communities. The original uh, Rick Ross wrote a tell-all book about this. Yeah, we did. Yeah, factoid we did discover is that the rapper Rick Ross stole the identity. <laughs> completely stole the fucking name and persona of a real drug dealer named Freeway. Named Freeway, Freeway Rick, Rick Ross. Rick. Um. And nobody's calling him on it for some reason. Well, he got to, yeah. So you be a good rapper, but come yeah. on. My dad is my dad is a teacher, and he was teaching in in the, like the eighties during this crack epidemic, and yeah. in a in a bad neighborhood, or in a not sorry in a crack ravaged neighborhood, and he said that it was like. 
very, very scary. It was very, very scary. And there were a lot of kids who didn't, like, they, like, didn't have parents or they would come to school high or, you know, it was, it was, it was rough. They say that is actually why Alphabet City was renamed Alphabet City. It was not, originally not Alphabet City. And uh, much like in the Bronx now, there's the Piano District, it's called. So basically, okay. like, realtors renamed part of the Lower East Side. Oh, it's like the favelas. <laughs> by, a, by a different name because the Lower East Side was so associated with the crack epidemic. It's like East 80s. Williamsburg. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, shout well, outs yeah, to the, real, just... the realtors keeping it real. Yeah. What was East Williamsburg before? Bushwick? That's south of Flushing. Yeah. It was so, Ridge, It was probably just all Ridgewood, and they were like, no, no, this is also Williamsburg. I mean, the McKibben Lossley would call but, uh, it East Williamsburg, and we were like, we live on Bushwick Avenue. Like, are you freaking kidding us? No, Bushwick starts south of Flushing. Gotta, we gotta, live gotta, off Bushwick Avenue. Gotta stand by that. Whatever. Bushwick oh, whatever. starts south of Flushing. But, uh... Oh, we had two seats. Yeah, it, it supposedly it did used to be so bad in the Lower East Side that you would, yes, walking down the street, you would just be stepping on crack vials. Um, yeah. But, yeah, CIA distributed it. Not they, good. Not good. It's, yeah, it's this smokable form of cocaine. Well, you can smoke cocaine. You can freebase cocaine, which um, they do in the movie Traffic, if you want to see a, you know, a, you, you yeah. put it on a, on a we, aluminum foil. You read up foil. on the technique. You have to heat it. You put it on aluminum foil. You mix it with baking soda. Also, famously, my roommates, when I lived in McKibben, got America's Next Top Models. To you have to pull the wax, the waxy substance off the top of it. Wait, I'm... So whip, that's whipping it. You so whip it. my my roommates, one of them, my former roommates, one of them was the fat Jew, um, mm-hmm. got America's ne- Next Top Model contestants. They like somehow came over at our house and they got them to freebase cocaine. So like I come home to all these like model, these models just like with a straw <clears throat> over like some tin foil, and I was like. I just was like, wow, what a what a time to be alive. Yeah. Gotta inhale the, the vapors. I just thought it was right. you know, I thought it was it was funny because yeah, high class, low class, you know. Yeah. The mixing of cultures. Very complicated ways to do stimulants. Oh, also lean. Mm-hmm. Shout out to lean, which is promethazine, which is an opioid. So if you're doing lean, if you're double cupping it out there, you are doing an opioid and you are are you speaking into the disco? Like, yeah, like you're addicted. Um, it's also changed rap music because now rap music is like very leaned out. Well, it's it also, very, uh, uh, to be fair, it chopped has, and screwed. It has hallucinogenic effects as well. It's not a... Uh... As do opioids. Oh, yeah, sure. But not just the pain-killing, zoning out, very pleasant floating feeling of a lot of opioids. It, it itself is like... It uh, makes you feel chill. Trippy in its own way, I think. And trippy. Um, well, I've been on opioids because I had back surgery when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they do make you hallucinate. They do make you trip out. I needed them because, like, if I wasn't on them, I was in excruciating pain. <laughs> um, I did not become addicted. I did not enjoy being on them, but I needed them. I was on a morphine drip, and I needed so much morphine, they were like, if we give her any more morphine, she'll, like, pass out. And I would see bats 
just like I would see really? bats flying when I closed my eyes. Bats would just be flying into my field of vision. And when I opened my eyes, I would see flowers sometimes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I wanted to see if we... Yeah. Should we take a guess in the, the final segment here? I mean, we can see if there's... If there's any, if there's any guests out there who want to go live with us, if Concat's still around, now's your chance. Oh yeah, we gotta. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We're seeing if somebody. Give some warning. Well, it's happening. Okay, we're seeing. Ha- if we just can... like drugs, no warning. <laughs> there's plenty of warning. You have to take them, and it takes usually fifteen. Sometimes to, you just hit fifteen to forty-five minutes to they kick in. What about? Oh yeah, while we're waiting, ketamine. Ketamine, gross drugs. Ketamine, Don't do it. really popular club drug in it's New York gross. City right now. Don't do it. Um, Don't do it. We are not fans of it. Don't do it. It makes you. Uh, I've I've lost not by death, but like mentally, I lost uh, two really good friends to ketamine because they're not the same. They disassociated too far. Yeah, they got very like weird and edgy and not fun. Um. I think maybe also they weren't doing, like, the purest of ketamines. Yeah, maybe they were drinking, too. <laughs> maybe they were drinking, too. Uh, yeah, ketamine for me, I think, is the most confusing club drug because it uh, it seems like not a party drug. Um, yeah. It's much more of a... We've Oh, yeah, we've both done it accidentally. Sort of an introspective drug, I guess. Mm. Um, or not even introspective. I don't even really know. A coma drug, like a, like <laughs> a tranquilizer, like yeah. a surgery drug. You're kind of just like, I want to be out of it for the next three hours, which is not a thing I do when I'm at a fun party, like listening to good music. You um, want to tell your ketamine story? Uh, I, I think it's really funny. I think it's so funny. Mine, I think, may have, may have actually been GHB instead of ketamine. Oh, yeah. You want to tell your GHB one? I'll but, tell uh, my... I think many people have had this issue, and let's just be a lesson to all of you out there. If you snort drugs offered by a stranger, um, don't. Ask them don't, what they are no, just first. Don't. Don't do that. Don't snort drugs offered to you by a stranger. Only do them from your friends. From your fridge. From your own brain. Only snort yeah, drugs from your from own brain. from a stash brain. that you bought while you were sober. From the earth. From... Um, yeah, because you may end up with uh, a chemical you weren't expecting. There, yeah. So the funny story that Ariel is referencing it's so is funny. that uh, I was at a, a party in the old apartment building, converted factory. Just I used to tell live the in quick McKibben readers, readers TLDR uh, version. Well, it was important because it was close to my home. It was in the same building I lived in. Okay. Right? What were you dressed as? It was a jumpsuit jump off party. I was dressed as an astronaut. I had a space helmet. I had a full body orange fucking NASA space suit. And the party was sort of winding down. It was around 3.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. And uh, like uh, I saw one of my friends talking to a group of other people. And I walked over and was like chatting with them. And the girl started cutting up some lines of stuff. And I was like, oh, like what's going on? And she was like, oh, do you like, have some? Like it's a... Uh... She didn't say what it was, right? I don't think she did. So you did it. And just And like they, like multiple of them, like multiple other people snorted a line. And I like... Line. And then I was like, um, yeah, it was like being hit with a can of like sleepiness um, and like clumsiness. And I was like, whoa, um, within like five, within like two minutes. No, like, I, instantly, I think yeah. like by the end of the line, you're like, like 
So I stood up and like things are wobbling and I was like, this is not cocaine. Yeah. You think that very slow. And I uh, said it very slow and I grabbed onto like a nearby door frame and started just losing my like whole ability to stand and coordination and everything. And it was like kind of leaning over and then trying to stand and then trying to like, and it really was almost like moving through molasses through the room. And the host, my friend Aaron, was like laughing because he thought I was pretending like I was in space because I'm wearing a space suit <laughs> and holding my space helmet. And then the next day he was like, you really... Well, and I managed to convey to him, I was like, and I was like losing the ability to talk. And I was like, I have to go, give me a hug. And then... Uh, E.T. phone home. Yeah, so he had like, yeah, he and a friend like picked me up, carried me to the elevator. Right. Took me and back then- to my apartment where I crawled to my room. A very like a uh, Wolf of Wall Street when they're on Quaaludes. The, the Quaaludes. It was very much that, and I crawled and could not stand and crawled to my room and like reached up and opened the door handle and like then crawled into my room and laid down on the floor. Um, and yeah. then about two hours later, I woke up in my spacesuit and was like, "Wow, that sucked." Yeah, same thing happened to me. Well, not in a spacesuit, but I was at this party and I thought it was a Coke party because there was also yeah, if there's a huge mountain of powder. It's probably not Coke. No one can afford. You thought it was Scarface. I was like, this is such a cool party. But like, this and is pretty much flour. We just put a little. <laughs> I, you know, this is when I was a, when I was a Coke head and I was like, woo. And I did this huge rail of it and everyone was like looking at me, but no one was doing anything because they were all on ketamine. <laughs> yeah, ketamine. And it was the first time I ever did ketamine. And I was like, oh, sh-. I was like, oh, no. This isn't, this is not, yeah. And then that happened to me three other times in my lifetime. Well, to do ketamine once. I know. You know, is a tragedy. But to do ketamine accidentally twice. Yeah. It's just carelessness. Four times it's happened. Four times. Four times. How dare. Uh, well, then so I really don't like it. I, and maybe one you t- do like it. No. One time, the worst was when I thought, when it was a, I thought it was ecstasy. And my friend and I were like. She, to be fair, she was like, I'm dosing this new, like, strain that I got from a pimp named Chocolate. And I was like, just will like you poorly, give it? Poorly written <laughs> character. I was like, can I try it too? In a web series. For free? And this is, again, very, I was very young, uh, as I am now, but I was even younger. And um, super into drugs when I was poor. So I was like, as I am not now. I'm be, young still, to but be I'm fair, wealthy. That was the motivation of a lot of the experimental drug use that, that I did get involved in. Was, yeah. I was like, I'm not. You're like, it's free? Surely, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> free drugs. Oh, my God. Woo-hoo. Yeah. What am I going to pick love? up? Free it's drugs. a $20 bill on the ground. Yeah. Of course I'm going to pick it up. So, yeah. yeah this, this pill, it was like, it looked like a Flintstones vitamin. Not like, not like Molly, but we did it anyway. And it was definitely ketamine. And like. I was fucked up for days, and my friend forced me to stay at her house and watch Labyrinth like 37 times. Oh, that sucks. Well, because she, she was a very dark person, and so she had a lot of dark movies, and I was literally like a child. Like, I was like, oh, baby, and she was afraid that she, like, that I was going to die or something, so she was like, only positive things only come out of this only positive thoughts. She yeah, didn't want to like scar me. I mean, I'll watch Labyrinth once at a party. She did but... have two kittens and they were very soft. But I also couldn't walk up and down the stairs. 
Wow. What a time. Yeah. All what right. a time. What a time. Yeah. Oh, final note. I guess we're winding it up. We've covered all the yeah. drugs they believe. This has been your comprehensive history. The good ones history. and the bad ones. <laughs> the worst <laughs> and the best. Uh, don't ever do floor drugs. Oh, yeah. Just like... We gave to our said, friend accidentally. the mystery of that, but just don't. Just don't do floor drugs. Yep. You don't have to. You're better than that. Yeah. Don't do floor drugs. Maybe you know somebody who would want floor drugs? Give them the floor drugs. Well, but don't do that, actually. You don't do you, the you, you did that to your friend. He oh, did ketamine. Point. I gave. I didn't do the floor drugs that I found, and my friend did the floor drugs. You said, here's Coke. He did yeah. them. Wasn't Coke. Yeah. Went into a K-hole in the middle of a Greenwich Village He did bar. make a really funny Bill Cosby joke, which I won't repeat. Yeah. In retrospect, I'm kind of glad it happened. <laughs> it was really funny. It was so funny, yeah. But don't do floor drugs. <laughs> Just throw he them away. He said he felt great, so. When you find... Uh, the little baggie of drugs on the floor, regardless, you should just throw them away. Yep. Yep. So what are, what, what do we Maybe learn? Maybe put them up in your building with a post-it note saying these are floor drugs. Lost. <laughs> Maybe lost. make a poster that says lost. found. If you lost these, depending what this is, it could be worth $200, this little baggie. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, don't do them. Floor drugs. <laughs> what have you learned? What have I learned? Um... What have you learned? Which what did, what should they learn? I really think that the, the, the Take main takeaway take from this like detailed historical overview is that uh, not anecdotal at all. Everybody should be doing hallucinogenics. Yes. Um, on like nicely controlled trips, and they talk about on a good trip is like your set, which what? is your mental set. Oh, I your was setting like... being a good surrounding, and your. I think that's it. Your set and setting or whatever is like very important. And who you're, yeah, who you're with. And who you're with. Also, so like do, what's around, like something shitty just happened to you like the day before and you're like, I need to do acid to like fix yeah. this. Maybe just like put a, oh, no, no. Put, a put like a fortnight in between. But it's know. the uh, scientifically proven safest mind altering drugs you can do. Scientifically proven. I think today. To have good long lasting outcomes. I think mushrooms might be safer than acid today because people are putting weird, because sh- you can't. Because the mushroom is like, it, it tastes like mushroom and it like looks like it. Yeah. Um, Acid is whatever's on water paper. The worst thing that will happen to you on mushrooms is someone ha- just gives you mushrooms that don't do it. <laughs> it's true. Mushrooms always look like mushrooms. And they taste like mushrooms. They have a very specific taste. That's. Like dirt. I love the way that they taste. Yeah. I would eat them like a I snack. I guess that's what I would say. The, the main outcome from this is that it's spring. Do some mushrooms in the park. Go outside and do some mushrooms. You should always do your mushrooms and other hallucinations. Uh, you should always do your mushrooms outside. Which I had never done till I met you. Yeah, it's a way better trip. Um, acid. Acid lasts like about 13 hours. So, and and it's serious. So it maybe should. Do, you should. And maybe if it do that. yours doesn't last 13 hours, you're not doing acid. Yeah. So stop saying that you just did acid when you didn't. True. Don't, yeah. Anybody who ever's like, I'm in the club, I just dropped acid. You're like, you're like, no, 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 honey, you, honey, no, you just ate a little piece of notebook paper, and I'm <laughs> impressed. Okay, <laughs> um, no, it's a, uh, it is, it is a serious, and actually very awesome, and actually much like the conservative Aldous Huxley. I it's think. actually like going on life, a trip, like life a vacation. altering event. So, yeah, you need to set aside a three day weekend for that. 
you get you do your you shit need, on Saturday. It's a vacation day. Your Sunday, you do the trip, and then Monday you recover because it will be and you, you do recollect, it. You, you do recall. it at around ten a.m. or noon after eating a good breakfast because it will be thirteen hours before you can think of sleeping. You probably won't want to eat food because it will melt. And make sure nobody is coming to your door. Oh, and drink water, you guys. Drink water. Yeah, always drink water. Don't drink alcohol with the drugs. Drink water. Yeah, I, I mess this up all the time, though. It's That's hard. why you have me. I know. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, it always yeah. seems like once you've had a couple drinks to then do some sort of powder drug. It's not. It's actually a really bad idea. Um, the drugs will work better if you just do them by themselves. Well, or if anything, you should even treat it in your head as though the drug cocktail is actually you drinking a bottle or two of water. Oh, and, and Conrad said it's drug. nice to have... Access, nice to to access to a shower just in general or on an acid trip i think both you know Don't it's really always nice it's a, showers, so are showers are great, are great. yeah I, oh god there's one drug that i was researching that like the, the that will make you vomit until you get a hot shower and so there were people showing up at the emergency room and they were like i run out of hot water what is it what drug is i forget <laughs> some street drug um no 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 it's like, like a, a sci-fi like, no, no 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 it was like a, a kind of like ayahuasca-esque like it sounds like a ibogaine-esque oh, thing it sounds like a curse from a shaman yeah so yeah so we're so um also if you want to do drugs without doing drugs that are in this drug is free that you should do and it is good you should tune in on saturday yeah, Saturday. because you know what? Actually, the absolute best drug is to love. alter your mental state without and side of, without love has so many side effects. Without side effects, music. Yeah, and Ariel will get you high. I'll get you high. Woo. Yeah, because I'll be doing Ariel for you, so you get a high. And I've, I've seen a pose better though, but is there, I know of no thing better at altering your mental state. To make it happy or better or more introspective or whatever, uh, without side effects, without a hangover, than music actually. It yeah, is bottled and visuals. We're gonna be visuals like you are tripping some fractals, Conrad and fractals, <laughs> Mendel Mendelbrow. Gonna see some fractals, more of this stuff, maybe some dark stuff, maybe some, maybe actual pictures of drugs so you know what they look like. So we're gonna do an aerial ray. Of, we're gonna play a bunch of. Uh, trance and trippy music probably in the beginning and then a whole bunch of songs about weed because 420 is <laughs> coming up probably Whoa. in the middle just in honor of 420 because it'll be I think four legalize oh wait it is when we do it Never. and then we're gonna end with a bunch of club songs about drugs so it's gonna be a very fun DJ yeah. set for me I'm looking forward to it yeah so we're gonna start low we're gonna get trippy and then we're gonna get real high but all of it's gonna be high <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yes. you should be an influencer. I'm trying, honey. <laughs> right, well, also, we'll be back here next week. What are we talking about? Like Nor fairy tales and Norse Norse mythology, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gonna bust out our castle background. Yeah, not a huge jump from tonight's theme, actually. So should be great. We'll talk about fables and myths and fairy tales next yeah. week. So yeah. See you all Saturday, 9 p.m. Yes. Oh, and if time. you leave us a cute five-star review, we'll read it. Oh, we'll read it on air. On air, on Spotify or like iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts.
Mm-hmm. Or comment on the IG Live or YouTube video. All right. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye. Stay high. Stay safe. Drink water. <laughs> <laughs>